Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Adam Alec, Managing Editor of Cars Magazine and Jobber News, and your host for this episode. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Kane automotive aftermarket professionals, sponsored by SiriusXM. SiriusXM is making it possible for you to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash 4Shops for details. Today, I'm bringing you my conversation with Bill Hanvey, the President and Chief Executive Officer of the U.S.-based Auto Care Association. They're the voice of the auto care industry, serving the entire supply chain of the automotive aftermarket. We chatted towards the end of the first day of Apex 2021. That morning, Bill and Paul McCarthy, President and CEO of the Automotive Aftermarket Suppliers Association, which together with the Auto Care Association hosts Apex, they gave their annual State of the Aftermarket Address. They pressed the issue of right to repair, the aftermarket is being outfunded and outlobbied by the automakers. To illustrate this, Bill had people from the first 54 tables stand up. They represented 270 OEM lobbyists. By contrast, the aftermarket's lobbyists make up just a single table. That's the battle the aftermarket is taking on. They also presented a number of interesting facts. One that stood out, for example, was that 4 million people engaged with the aftermarket following the start of the global COVID-19 pandemic. And that is where Bill and I began our conversation. Something I found really annoying that was mentioned this morning that um, the 4 million people who have now joined the aftermarket, or shoppers who have been doing that. How do you keep that sustainable? How do you keep those 4 million people in the aftermarket? How do you you make them come back year after year? Well, you know, it's... Again, I think people really have reacquainted themselves with vehicle repair during this. I think people tried to, some people tried to sourdough bread, other people (laughs) tried pasta, other people went out and bought an oil change kit. And when you buy an oil change kit, it's not a one and done, right? So, oh, hey, this isn't so bad. Mm -hmm. This is pretty easy. So they continue that. And, And I think that the pandemic gave people that toe into the water in terms of repairing their own vehicle and the resources are available to be able to continue that education in terms of, okay, oh my God, I changed my cabin filter. Now I'm going to try my oil filter and and now I'm going to try a tune-up and they will find that there are some jobs that they can do and they find that, okay, well, maybe I'm not quite there to do a great job or whatever, but it has given people the confidence and certainly YouTube and the other training uh, platforms that are available to consumers are prevalent. That has really helped us. And we saw DIY, it's always been, you know, between a a 28 and a 30% share between DIFM and DIY. But during the height of the pandemic, that rose to 38% of DIY. You know, as I mentioned previously, I just think getting the confidence to try that first job will enable people to explore different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that they will also say, oh, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. I don't want to get this sophisticated computer on wheels mm-hmm. not yet mm-hmm. I have to get there but you know what if I do this then I'll be able to hang on in my car a little bit longer this might be like a marketing effort needed maybe they, 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 they sourdough bread they tried it okay I did it I'm right. over it now 
I did the oil change. I'm over it now. Right. Would it help to be something, maybe some marketing? Like, hey, try all this cool stuff. Keep mm-hmm. coming back. How, how, you, you know, is there a marketing component to this? I, you know what? I think it's a multifaceted marketing uh, campaign. I think, you know, uh, it, it comes from the associations. It comes from the parts manufacturers. And it comes from the distributors to encourage those people to keep coming back, to try different things, to provide them or steer them to the platforms that will enable them to try new things. You know, I do think that from an association standpoint, being the, the spearhead of that to the consumer is, you know, is, is a good role for us. Mm-hmm. So I, I absolutely think that there is a campaign. Uh, consumer campaigns are always expensive, right? So you have to have all those players yeah. in on yeah. it with you. <laughs> so that's always a challenge. But, you know, I think that our distributors, you know, the retailers and the independent wholesalers do a good job of making the consumer aware how easy it is in some cases to do their own repairs, to make them feel comfortable when they are in the store mm-hmm. and not intimidated, right? And I think mm-hmm. that that's the best marketing campaign that you can have yeah. is instilling confidence in the consumer that this work can be done. And it can be done effectively in your own driveway. Mm-hmm. The last 20 months have been interesting. <laughs> Are there lessons, things we've learned that we should be, the Ashmark should be carrying forward when we return to normal you know, mm-hmm. as we progress there? Are things we learned about the customer, about distribution, about production that you know we should be thinking, okay, we did this in COVID, it worked, it was a good thing. Right. Let's not forget these lessons. Yeah, well, I think the big lesson for all of us is, is how fragile our supply chain is. Mm-hmm. And that reared its ugly head, and that's not going to go away for any time soon. And it's really been kind of a perfect storm of COVID demand, and it really shed light on... Uh, not only just the U.S. infrastructure, but the international infrastructure in terms of how we get a product from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's going to show tremendous opportunity for our industry as well in terms of, okay, well, how do we move product? How do we get product? How do we order product? Mm -hmm. How do we forecast product? And I think that, you know, the forecasting side, I think the association can play a role in that by providing good data to you know, to the industry so that they can see that. Uh, other lessons learned is that, you know, we truly are resilient as an industry. And, you know, someone said today that when, you know, one of their employees got that essential worker designation, they were very, it added another element to our industry that, you know, we are really essential. And that has helped us politically as well. Some other lessons learned is that, you know, here we, here we are today live and everyone, I have heard from nobody, oh my God, I wish we could do this on Zoom. Yeah. Right? Everybody, everybody, everybody. Thank God we're doing this in person. What's maybe the biggest opportunity for the Ashworker now going forward? What have we maybe learned about customer shopping habits or, mm-hmm. or the supply chain? Maybe it is. But what, what's a big opportunity that, that the aftermarket can really grab a hold of coming forward? I think the big opportunity right now is the fact that people are holding onto their vehicles. Mm-hmm. And we have to encourage that. 
we have to make that whole repair process, repair and maintenance process more seamless to the consumer. Uh, we have to be able to provide the vehicle and diagnostic data for those vehicles. We have to continue to fight for that. And, you know, and we need to continue to provide product data when the customers are looking up that part online to make that experience uh, seamless. What part do I order? Oh, I don't know if it's X, Y, or Z, or A, B, or C, but is that product data that's contained in that e-catalog correct, up to date? Does it guide the consumer? Does it provide instruction materials? Does it provide a video that the consumer can use about making that decision? It's all about the product data when people are shopping electronically. And we have to continually push that envelope about making that product data much more robust, better pictures, 360, and, you know, as I mentioned, some of the other things, fitment instructions. So I'm a big proponent of continually pushing the envelope in terms of product data that's available to the consumer. So we're seeing fewer new cars enter the market, briefly aftermarket now. Yes. Four years from now? Is it potentially an issue? Uh, I, you know, I think the I think the new car sales levels will continue at a previous pace because ultimately people are going to need to replace their vehicles, mm-hmm. right? But I think it's going to take. Well, you look at in the U.S. now, the average price for a Toyota Camry is forty eight thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a huge investment for a working family with two kids and. They are going to do everything that they can to, to hold on to their vehicle longer. Now with the electrification, I think that that's a big thing. Obviously, that we'll keep an eye out. We have the study coming out on Wednesday that, that we'll make sure that we send to you. But I think the levels will be somewhat reduced from their peak in 2019. Last thing I want to ask you is a right to repair. So actually, when I talked with JF about this a few months ago, Basically, Bob, you know, there's been not the uptake uh, in, in the right to repair, you know. And, you know, and I, I think we're seeing that, you know, in the presentation this morning. You're trying to get people to go on board. You're darn right. Why, why are we not seeing the uptake? Why is there hesitancy? You know, here's my thought. And my thought is, okay, let's rely on the associations to get it done. Mm-hmm. But we're in a different time now. And, you know, we are continually being outspent by the automakers. Uh, you saw the visual 270 lobbyists yeah. versus the table hours. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And just it's just like any other marketing campaign. You have to touch the person seven times before they get it. And that's why we are so focused on grassroots. So we've got to get the local shop owner involved. We've got to get them to realize that if they don't take an active role in this, that their future very well may be compromised through the loss of this data. So we're really taking an active role on the grassroots side, trying to drive awareness at the shop level. That's the thing I wanted to ask you, but I just want to really finish this with an open-end thing. Is there... Is there something on your mind or something, Bernie, a message you could get out to the aftermarket mm-hmm. that, you know, if you had a chance to speak to them all at once, I want to get this message out to you. What, what that might be? Well, I, you know, I think the message is, particularly for, for your group, is the fact that we are an international 
community. Mm-hmm. We need to have a stronger voice internationally as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we now have formed what we call the Associations in Motion, and that includes associations that represent the independent aftermarket around the globe. We're having frequent meetings, and we're trying to consolidate our message around the globe mm-hmm. about how important it is that we preserve our industry. You know, the cooperation between Canada and the U.S. has never been stronger. JF and I uh, work together very well, mm-hmm. and uh, we all know that we can't do it alone, and we have to learn from one another. We need to collaborate globally to help solve these supply chain issues, to help solve right to repair, and some of the other issues that are facing our industry. Well, it's great. Thank you so much for your oh, time. Oh, my pleasure. That was fantastic. Ah, oh, so good to see you. <laughs> good to see you. This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, as always, to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor.